0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Christ is in our midst. He was, and is, and ever shall be. This morning, in this Gospel, our Lord Jesus gives us a commandment. Not just a suggestion, not just some advice on better living, but a commandment. And the commandment is to love your enemies. It's a commandment. Anyone who wants salvation and life in the kingdom of God must follow the Lord's commandments. And so it is serious Christian business to love our enemies. It is a commandment. And God gives this commandment to save our very lives, to draw men and women to Him, and to, make, to help persuade us to not depend on the world, but to depend completely on God. Because God, Jesus, wants us to transcend the world. He wants us to transcend worldly, worldly obsession. And he wants us to transcend self-absorption. Because all sin comes from self-absorption. And there's, if there's one irritant to our soul, and there's one, if there's one irritant to make us be more self-absorbed, it is to be obsessive about our enemies. It is about giving, expecting something in return. The, the one way that we can sin the most is to be resentful if we do not receive something that we either realistically or unrealistically, expected to receive when we give something. Jesus says those who have ears to hear, God, will hear. And will understand why Jesus says to love our enemies. Because the world is all about worldly justice. The world is all about doing good to those who do good to us, And the world is all about retaliating against those who are hostile to us. There's no hostility in the kingdom of heaven. There's no hostility around God. When the angels and the saints are around God, there is perfect peace and satisfaction. There's no thought of retaliation. So if we want to be with them, we need to Not respond when someone is hostile to us. If we feel this way now, which I'm sure we all still do because we all are still growing in our faith, including myself, we need to work on this hostility. The world is about worldly justice, about matching hostility for hostility. This is what the world calls justice. Jesus. Commands from us something more than justice. He commands super justice. That is, He wants us to show mercy and to grace. By the way, God shows us super justice all of the time. God shows us grace and mercy all of the time. He does not match our response to He does not respond matching our response to Him. He does not match our hostility in the various forms that we show to God with hostility. God shows super justice. He shows us mercy and grace and self-sacrificial love and action. When men showed Him hostility, God sent His only begotten Son and He gave His life As a response to that hatred. God shows super justice. So to be like our master, we must be, we must do as he does. We must never let any insult or assault assault against us pull us away from doing good. This is the law of God. This is a commandment. The law, this is the law of God's kingdom. We must always be determined to do good despite harm done to us. Orthodox Christians practice despite good. They do good despite harm or hostility done to them. They are determined to follow the example of Of the highest form of love, which is unconditional. God imitating, God mirroring, God reflecting. So we are given a commandment. Never retaliate evil for evil. Jesus says, when cursed, we are to bless. When struck on the one cheek, we are to give them the others. This is the biblical root of holy nonviolence that has been practiced from the church by real Orthodox Christians from the very beginning. God's love is universal. God does good both on the good and the evil. We too must do so if we are to imitate God and to live with Him in His presence in the kingdom of heaven. Now, as a matter of conclusion, I admit, and I know, and I feel, that this is a startling commandment. When I was a young, uh, younger priest, a young priest preaching on this gospel, I could just imagine all the cynical, forgive me, the cynical old men in my parish saying, Father Michael, you're dreaming. Come on, you don't really mean this. This isn't really what it really means. We need to retaliate. We need to stand up for our pride. We need to show our enemies this is good in theory. It's not good really in actual world practice. But now I've been a priest for a while, and now I have just finished my 50th year. I'm now officially an old man myself. And I'm learning as I get older that this is the way that works. Loving enemies is the way that works. Being angry and hostile And devising ways of retaliating, whether it be some stranger, some obvious enemy, or even the enemies around, the the people that seem like our enemies around us. Fighting is a waste of time. Retaliating burns energy. Retaliating takes away from our peace. So God has given us a commandment, and you know what? Jesus gives commandments for things that are hard hard for us. If it was easy, we would not need a commandment. If we did this naturally, we would not need a commandment. There is usually a rule or a commandment or a law in order to help us solve a problem that we're having a hard time solving ourselves. This is why Jesus gives us this commandment, because he wants to bring us to a higher plane, a higher plane than the fallen world around us. He wants us to strive for the higher things, to be with him, to be like him, to look to him always for our good and salvation, to not depend on our own efforts, which usually end up in our own desire to fight, but to give up and to let go and to follow Jesus and his way into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus has given us so much lavishly in our lives when we don't deserve it. We should imitate him and do the same for those who do not deserve it from us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Christ is in our midst. He was, and is, and ever shall be. I've been reading St. John Chrysostom on his his book on the priesthood and he talks about the special kind of care that in his case a bishop or in my case a priest and even in Jesus Christ's role that the, the pastor needs special care when it comes to the healing of souls he says the medical doctors have it easy Because they can compel a patient to take the medicine. And they can diagnose a problem and come up with a cure and do something to affect that cure. But he said when it comes to spiritual illnesses and spiritual maladies, it takes great care. Because first of all, many of these maladies can't be seen with the naked eye. And also he says, because men we all, as part of our sickness, part of the sickness that comes from pride, are stubborn. And we fight the physician. And we make all kinds of excuses and we flee and we want to run away. Does that sound familiar? It sounds familiar to me. Not only as a priest, but also in my own, my own spiritual life. Jesus never compels anyone to have a spiritual life. However, his mission was to come and to draw all men and women to him so that they may know the truth and live with him. Now, so the tool, St. John Chrysostom says, for the spiritual physician is persuasion. All a bishop or a priest or even Jesus can do is persuade someone to seek to be better, to persuade people to seek God and to seek spiritual healing. This is why Jesus gives these parables. These parables do not often make sense at first glance, but those who have ears to hear will apply their intellect and apply, open their heart to read these, these parables, to understand in a, in a spiritual way, so that they will become better. So we have this parable this morning of Lazarus and the rich man. Now, this, Jesus is teaching this parable to his disciples. He's teaching his disciples to have a particular mindset. And this parable comes in a string of parable, in a string of parables. The first one, two parables before this is one we're all familiar with, I hope, the parable of the prodigal son. Right? Right? So God the Father wants us simply to return to him. And his disciples are to go out and first be called to the father themselves and then to the go and draw all people, call, draw, persuade people that they can return to the Father, and the Father God will accept them. The, the parable just before this parable is of the unjust steward. And the message of that, that parable is that Jesus' disciples are to be useful with God, with what God has shared with them, and it is even considered stealing, theft, when one does not share what God has given and instead keeps it all to themselves. Misers, as one father said, are essentially thieves. Thieves who steal from God and from one's own brother. Then we come to this parable that we have today. And I, I hope you're all familiar with this parable after the many Years that you've been hearing it and that we have been reading it. But here it is. There's a rich man, it says, who's clothed in purple, who eats sumptuous meals every day in his palace. And at the doors of this man's palace, where where the rich man cannot help but see him, is this poor man named Lazarus. Who is lying there in pain, with sores, completely neglected by the rich man. And the only kind of care that, the, the Lazarus, that Lazarus gets is that these dogs come and lick his wounds. And the fathers say that this dog, when he licks his wounds, is not doing so in a mean, predatorial kind of a way, but in a compassionate kind of way. The, when the dog licks his wounds, it's a, it's a salve. It, gives, it soothes him. St. John Chrysostom says, we need to be better than the dogs when it comes to being compassionate to our brother. So he said this parable to his disciples because Jesus wants all his disciples, all Orthodox Christians, you and I even here, to be different than the world. The world is all about how we look and the, the material things that we gain. The world is all about feeding ourselves, either f- literally with, sum- with sumptuous meals, but also spiritually to feed ourselves. I remember one professor that I had in seminary says that in our pride, we're all like 13-year-old teenagers. I, I, please forgive me if we have any 13-year-olds in, this, in our church today. But his point is that we a teenager cannot help because that's part of their growth to focus on themselves how do I look what do people think of me what, what can I do to, to what, what is, it's all about me well the truth is that many of us don't grow out of that in fact we kind of become even go downward in our self in our self entanglement in our focus on ourselves as we get older so Jesus wants us to be different than the world He wants us to be merciful. He wants us to notice other people. He wants us to notice God. And when we notice God and notice the things that he does for us, he wants us to notice every single human being around us. Not just the ones that we know. Not just the ones that we honor and respect. Not the ones that look good on the outside. Trust me, many people who look good on the outside are very much in pain and hurting and ugly on the inside. He says that every single human being needs attention if you're going to be a disciple of Christ. Compassion and soothing and care. I remember once when I was a teenager, I was in San Francisco. Downtown San Francisco. And I was with a friend of mine. And we went to McDonald's. And I got my Big Mac. And I was sitting by the window... And the window is open. And this homeless guy came by asking for some money. And we were so awkward and kind of freaked out by that that we just completely ignored him. We pretended he wasn't even there. And I remember to this day, even though this happened 35 years ago, he said, hey, I'm a human being too. Can you imagine that? I'm a human being too. You just can't ignore me. That is the teenage way of looking, the way I was, a teenage way of looking at the world. But we're called here to be adults and spiritual adults and to have care and compassion for everyone around us. Now this rich man had no compassion. He was deaf, he was blind, he was dumb to the world. He probably said, I know the prophets pretty well. And he probably heard all the, the teachings of the prophets and of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, and of Isaiah, and of Jeremiah. And he probably had, maybe he could even quote these these, um, um, prophets, chapter and verse. But he did not hear them. He did not hear what Isaiah would say about that the Lord is coming, and that he's going to see how we treat the orphans and the widows, and those who are poor. And if we ignore them in this world, how that's going to affect our our life in the next world, right? So that's why when, when, uh, when the rich man asks Abraham to go and warn his brothers, even, that Abraham says, look, even if someone raises from the dead, these people are so deaf and dumb and blind and self-centered, they're so entangled in themselves that they're not going to hear the words of the, the prophets in a new way, even if a prophet comes to them, even if Lazarus comes to them, risen from the dead, he says, that they're not going to hear. Nothing can compel a person to have a spiritual life. It's up to each one of us ourselves to open up our hearts and our minds to comprehend the gospel, the good news, and to start opening our ears and hearing the good news, realizing that God has come for us AND HE HAS COME FOR ALL OTHER PEOPLE, OURSELVES. SO THIS IS WHAT THIS PARABLE IS CALLING US, TO BECOME PARTNERS WITH LAZARUS. WE ARE ALL RICH IN OUR OWN WAY, WE ARE ALL LAZARUS IN OUR WHOLE WAY. WE ARE TO BE PARTNERS WITH EACH OTHER, PARTNERS WITH LAZARUS, PARTNERS WITH THOSE WHO WE PRETEND NOT TO SEE, partners with those whom we want to ignore when they make us uncomfortable. We are called to comfort the distressed, console the sorrowful, soothe those who are full of sores, burning and pain, comfort those who are trying to live spiritual lives. At least, as St. John Christen said, be as good as the dog in this parable. Finally, another saint said that the love of the poor is superior to all other good works. The love of the poor is superior than all other good works. If we're doing some good work and we see that a poor person, either materially or spiritually, is a need, we are to put aside even that good work and go and do that good work ...for the poor person. He says, if we comfort and refresh others, leaving no one behind... ...God will comfort and refresh us on the day in our lives... ...when that will matter most, which is on that judgment day... ...when we are in trouble, when we are wondering... ...are we with God or without God? Will he find us to be true disciples... And if we do good works for the poor and the spirit here, then we will be refreshed on that most important day of our existence. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Christ is in our midst. He was and is and ever shall be. I've been reading St. John Chrysostom on his, his book On the Priesthood. And he talks about the special kind of care that, in his case a bishop, or in my case a priest, and even in Jesus Christ's role, that the, the pastor needs special care when it comes to, to the healing of souls. He says the medical doctors have it easy because they can compel a patient to take the medicine. And they can diagnose a problem and come up with a cure and do something to affect that cure. But he said when it comes to spiritual illnesses and spiritual maladies, it takes great care. Because, first of all, many of these maladies can't be seen with the naked eye. And also, he says, because we all, as part of our sickness, part of the sickness that comes from pride, are stubborn. And we fight the physician. And we make all kinds of excuses. And we flee and we want to run away. Does that sound familiar? Sounds familiar to me. Not only as a priest, but also in my own own spiritual life. Jesus never compels anyone to have a spiritual life. However, his mission was to come and to draw all men and women to him so that they may know the truth and live with him. Now, so the tool, St. John Chrysostom says, for the spiritual physician is Persuasion. All a bishop or a priest or even Jesus can do is persuade someone to seek to be better. To persuade people to seek God and to seek spiritual healing. This is why Jesus gives these parables. These parables do not often make sense at first glance. But those who have ears to hear will apply their intellect and apply, open their heart to read these, these parables to understand in a, in a spiritual way so that they will become better. So we have this parable this morning of Lazarus and the rich man. Now, this, Jesus is teaching this parable to his disciples. He's teaching his disciples ha- to have a particular mindset. And this parable comes in a, string of parable, in a string of parables. The first one, two parables before this, is one we're all familiar with, I hope, the parable of the prodigal son. Right? Right? So God the Father wants us simply to return to him, And his disciples are to go out and first be called to the Father themselves, and then to go and draw all people, call, call draw, persuade people that they can return to the Father, and the Father God will accept them. The, the parable just before this parable is of the unjust steward. And the message of that, that parable is that Jesus' disciples are to be useful with, God, with what God has shared with them. And it is even considered stealing, theft, when one does not share what God has given and instead keeps it all to themselves. Misers, as one father said, are essentially thieves. Thieves who steal from God and from one's own brother. Then we come to this parable that we have today. And I I hope you're all familiar with this parable after the many years that you've been hearing it, and that we have been reading it. But here it is. There's a rich man who says, who's clothed in purple, who eats sumptuous meals every day in his palace. And at the doors of this man's palace, where, where the rich man cannot help but see him, is this poor man named Lazarus, who is lying there in pain, with sores, completely leg- neglected by the rich man. And the only kind of care that, the, the Laz- that Lazarus gets is that these dogs come and lick his wounds. And the fathers say that this dog, when he licks his wounds, is not doing so in a mean predatorial kind of a way, but in a compassionate kind of way. The, when the dog licks his wounds, it's a, it's a salve. It, gives, it soothes him. St. John Christum says, We need to be better than the dogs when it comes to being compassionate to our brother. So he said this parable to his disciples because Jesus wants all his disciples, all Orthodox Christians, you and I, even here, to be different than the world. The world is all about how we look and the, the material things that we gain. The world is all about feeding ourselves, either f- literally with, sum- with sumptuous meals, but also spiritually to feed ourselves. I remember one professor that I had in seminary says that in our pride we're all like 13-year-old Teenagers. Please forgive me if we have any 13-year-olds in, this, in our church today. But his point is that we, a teenager cannot help, because that's part of their growth, to focus on themselves. How do I look? What do people think of me? What, what can I do? to, to what, what is, It's all about me. Well, the truth is that many of us don't grow out of that. In fact, we kind of become, even go downward in our self in our self. Entanglement and our focus on ourselves as we get older. So Jesus wants us to be different than the world. To, he wants us to be merciful. He wants us to notice other people. He wants us to notice God. And when we notice God and notice the things that he does for us, we, he wants us to notice every single human being around us. Not just the ones that we know, not just the ones that we honor respect, not the ones that look good on the outside. Trust me, many people who look good on the outside are very much in pain and hurting and ugly on the inside. He says that every single human being needs attention if you're going to be a disciple of Christ compassion and soothing and care. I remember once when I was a teenager, I was in San Francisco, downtown San Francisco. And I was with a friend of mine. And we went to McDonald's. And I got my Big Mac. And I was sitting by the window. And the window was open. And this homeless guy came by asking for some money. And we were so awkward and kind of freaked out by that that we just completely ignored him. We pretended he wasn't even there. And I remember to this day, even though this happened 35 years ago, he said, hey. I'm a human being too, can you imagine that? I'm a human being too, you just just can't ignore me. That is the teenage way of looking, the way I was, the teenage way of looking at the world. But we're called here to be adults and spiritual adults and to have care and compassion for everyone around us. Now this rich man had no compassion. He was deaf, he was blind, he was dumb to the world, He probably said, I know the prophets pretty well. And he probably heard all the the teachings of the prophets and of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob and of Isaiah and of Jeremiah. And he probably had, maybe he could even quote these these, um, um, prophets chapter and verse, but he did not hear them. He did not hear what Isaiah would say about that the Lord is coming. And that he's going to see how we treat the orphans and the widows and those who are poor and if we ignore them in this world how that's going to affect our our life in the next world right so that's why when when uh when the rich man asks abraham to go and warn his brothers even that abraham says look even if someone raises from the dead these people are so deaf and dumb and blind and self-centered They're so entangled in themselves that they're not going to hear the words of the the prophets in a new way. Even if a prophet comes to them, even if Lazarus comes to them, risen from the dead, he says, that they're not going to hear. Nothing can compel a person to have a spiritual life. It's up to each one of us ourselves to open up our hearts and our minds to comprehend the gospel, the good news, and to start opening our ears and hearing the good news, realizing that God has come for us, and he has come for all other people ourselves. So this is what this parable is calling us, to become partners with Lazarus. We are all rich in our own way. We are all Lazarus in our whole way. We are to be partners with each other Partners with Lazarus, partners with those who we pretend not to see, partners with those whom we want to ignore when they make us uncomfortable. We are called to comfort the distressed, console the sorrowful, soothe those who are full of sores, burning, and pain, comfort those who are trying to live spiritual lives. At least, as St. John Christen said, be as good as the dog in this parable. Finally, another saint said that the love of the poor is superior to all other good works. The love of the poor is superior than all other good works. If we're doing some good work and we see that a poor person either materially or spiritually, is a need. We are to put aside even that good work and go and do that good work for the poor person. He says, if we comfort and refresh others, leaving no one behind, God will comfort and refresh us on the day in our lives when that will matter most, which is on that judgment day, When we are in trouble, when we are wondering, are we with God or without God? Will he find us to be true disciples? And if we do good works for the poor in the spirit here, then we will be refreshed on that most important day of our existence.